You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And now that heart is beating fast, and that's the rhythm I can dance to. I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to, that one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick old trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Welcome to Radical Australia, a world first. That's right, it's a world first. This is Joseph Toscano. This is a live interview, unfortunately not face-to-face. The little virus has got between me and who we're going to chat with this afternoon. Mr Ian Cook, are you on the line? Yes, I am, Joe. How are you? Hello, Ian. Good, good. Look, uh, you've made history, Ian. Oh. You know how you've made history? I'm not sure. Enlighten me. Well, well, this is the first time in the last seven years I've done an interview on Radical Australia where I haven't been able to look into the interviewee's beady eyes. So uh, oh, you're, you're safe. There you go. Yes. Now, Ian, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll talk about you for a while and then we may yeah. talk about uh, one of the projects that uh, you've been involved in, which is an extraordinary project which has come to an end, unfortunately. Now, Ian, just to orientate our listeners, what year were you born? 65. I'm an old bugger. You're, you're a virtual... <laughs> you're a youngster. Yes. Some might say Compared that. to me, I'm you're like a virtual <laughs> youngster. Yeah, like that. Yeah, 65. And uh, what's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? Oh, God. A duck. No, no. You remember? Do you remember God? That's amazing. That's a great first memory. No, no, God. no, no. I, first, one of the first early memories of, for me was 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 a uh, a pet duck we used to have called Daisy. Yeah, Daisy. Yeah. And uh, and Daisy used to um, uh, yeah. You, uh, I, that's the that's the earliest memory which you believe. So, uh, and if anyone knows me very well, I, I am into uh, eating my poultry. I've got uh, chooks at home and all that sort of thing. So, um, uh, I'm just going to say hello to my uh, girl sitting at home waiting for me. <laughs> right. What type of chooks you got? Uh, uh, one's a, a, called a Barnabelder, um, yeah. which is a Dutch Dutch breed. And then there's a Rhode Island Red, which is an American breed, and a Australop, which is an Australian bird. So, uh, have you ever sh- um, have you ever showed? No, no, I'm not that professional, mate. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't think my old girls would uh, it, it hold up very, very, very well on a show. 
Now, you may, you may find this hard to believe, uh, Ian, but I'm actually a member of the Footscray Poultry Club. Oh, there you go. <laughs> they're based there in Bacchus Marsh, but Yeah, they're based in right. Bacchus Marsh these days. But I don't actually have any well, chooks at the minute. Daisy didn't oh, end up okay. on the Christmas table, did she? What was that? Did Daisy end up on the Christmas table? No, Daisy... Daisy, uh, come to grief. She she drowned in a in a twenty litre drum. She she used to ju- jump jump the sort of little fence that we had between my, our, our place and the neighbours, and there was a twenty litre drum half full of water, and she fell into yeah. it and drowned. So it was a pretty grisly end to Daisy's existence. <laughs> uh, there you go. Were you born in Melbourne? Were you born in Melbourne here? No, no, I was born in the country, mate. I'm, I'm from uh, Latrobe Valley originally. Right, Latrobe Valley. What was life like for a youngster? Oh, look, it was all right. Um, it was, uh, you know, a typical country sort of, you know, or uh, sort of larger town sort of environment. You know, it, um, uh, growing up as a kid was uh, was all right. I got into my teenage years and started getting into uh, into music very heavily. Um, and, uh, you know, just all sorts of different rock music. Uh, and around about 1977, 78, um, the music world was basically turned on its head forever uh, by the uh, advent of punk rock, and that, that changed me quite a bit. Um, and at that time, I was sort of, you know, as you do as you're young, sort of discovering all sorts of things about yourself and blah, 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 and uh, I sort of got into the... The punk scene a little bit right back then, and um, and I was already involved with. Um, what, what was that, Joe? There was a punk scene in the Latrobe Valley in the late late 1980s. Oh no, 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 not really. Um, uh, I was listening to it, and uh, it was more of a rock scene. There was a few rock bands around. There was kind of a couple of friends that were in a couple of rock bands, and. Uh, I sort of used to hang around them and that sort of thing. I never used to... I did play a little bit of guitar, but I never really got into any band. Um, but I was, I was... Even back then, I was sort of interested in the, in the production side of things more so. Um, the friend's band had this PA and we, I used to muck around with that. I think that was probably the first exposure I had to, to, to PA systems right back then, you know, and that was when I was only, you know, 16, 17 years old. Um, and then, um, uh, I left, I left, uh, um, I left Latrobe Valley in 1987 and moved to Melbourne in 1987. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, hang on. did you, did you complete high school or? Uh, yes, I did. Yes, yeah. I did. I, uh, completed high school, got an apprentice, I became an apprentice butcher, would you believe? And there's probably lots of people out there gasping at that. Um, no, but, no, uh, no, I, I did. I did. Uh, I did. A, I did the apprenticeship. I didn't really enjoy it too much. In fact, I hated it. Um, right. And at at the time, Joe, I uh, when I moved to Melbourne in '87, there was a lot of work going on. There was a lot of construction work and all that sort of thing. And I, I sort of got into when I moved to Melbourne, I got into the construction industry, um, and I've been there ever since. Um, and were you, were you a, a builder's labourer, or what type of work did you do in the construction industry? Yeah, build, builders labouring. Yep, yep, mainly, and uh, sort of TA slash builders labouring. Um, and uh, I 
uh, sort of, you know, as, as a few years went by, I started uh, getting into a little bit. That was probably at that time first, also my first sort of taste of um, uh, of unionism as well, um, you know. Um, and uh, because, you know, I was on... I, I got into some, uh, you know, I was working on... What was that? Did you mention the U word on this program? No, I... Yes, yes. War, mate. Unionism. You were a unionist, one of those criminals. Yes. Yeah, one of those criminal, criminals, yeah, all on the take and yeah, all in bikey gangs and all that sort of business. Well, according to their old son, anyway. Yeah, isn't it funny? Isn't it funny that uh, everybody's in the same boat at the minute, but as soon as this is over, it's going to be back to the old the old ways. And uh, oh, yeah. it's funny how unionism has been basically ostracised and marginalised and criminalised over the past few decades. Did you see much of that happening when you were in construction? Oh yeah, it went right back, mate. I mean, my my parents were um, fairly conservative. My old man was a was a cop, would you believe? Um, and uh, so you can imagine his uh, attitude towards unions was not, let's say, wasn't particularly positive. Um, right. And as I was edu- educated in uh, and became educated, educated myself in more sort of uh, left leaning politics, you can imagine some of the frank discussions that went on. <laughs> so was your was your cop was your father involved in some of those anti-Vietnam uh, demonstrations on the other side? Yes, he was. Yeah, yes, he was yeah. back in the seventies. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, as a young yeah. constable or whatever. Uh, yeah, he was involved in those, um, and he remember yeah. he remembered yeah. them quite vividly. Um, yeah, I remember. So, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I had a landlord. I had a landlord who was an ex-copper when I first moved to Melbourne in. Uh, Yeah. Well, it is obvious. I mean, it's, uh, it's 
very sad for the American people that they did elect him. So he's their burden, unfortunately, not ours. Uh, getting back to you, uh, yeah. how long did you? So, how many years have you spent in the building industry? Uh, well, since '87, so 30, 32, 33 years. Yeah. Uh, are you retired at the minute from building, or are you still in, in the industry? No, I've still got a bit to go, mate. Still got a bit to, probably another to 10 years or so, whatever. Yeah, still a bit to go, well, unfortunately. Well, what type of work does an old bugger like you do on a building site? Well, these days, mate, I do a lot more... Um, I do a lot of traffic control these days. Uh, so I work for a company right. that uh, uh, does traffic control, and I, I, you'll see me outside some of the major jobs in the city uh, quite often, and uh, not at the moment because I'm in isolation. But... Um, uh, but... Uh, yeah, uh, that's I, I do sort of more uh, more gentle things on the body these days, thankfully. That um, whereas you know, ten or twelve, fifteen years ago, I was sort of on the jackhammer, you know. But um, really, uh, but anyway, yeah. yeah. What's, what's what's a day? What's a day like at the end of a day on a jackhammer? How do you feel? Uh you, well, I'll put it this way: it, it shakes all your bones, especially your uh, your, your arms and elbow and uh, all that sort of thing. I, I think I've probably uh, copped a little bit of arthritis that over the years as a result of it. But um, it's uh, it can be pretty tiring work. Um, yeah, I, I, depending on the job, I didn't mind it too much because I mean you kind of sort of get into the zone and you know, um, and, and everyone leaves you alone because no one wants to go near you when you're when you're making a huge bloody noise like that. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. It's the type of thing you walk away from. Do you want to discuss why yep. you're in isolation or you prefer to keep that to yourself? Oh, uh, look, I, yeah. I, um, well, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I've got some healthy... No, nah, that's all right, mate. That's all good. Uh, oh, look, I, I've got... Last year, I developed a bit of a health issue um, and uh, the, big C, the big C word. And um, right. unfortunately, uh, I had to... Capitalism, yeah. No... The health, the, the, well, capitalism definitely is a cancer. There's no doubt about it. So there is a relation there, relationship there. Um, but um, oh, look, I'll be all right, Joe. I, um, I, I went into hospital last year, had an operation, um, and uh, they seem to think that we've 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 solved the problem. Uh, at the moment, I'm on chemotherapy, and uh, therefore I'm a little bit at risk of, uh, you know, a bit bit sort of at, at risk, you know, because if I did cut, right. cop this corona thing, I think I'd be in a bit of strife. So, um, yeah, I've just finished the chemotherapy in the last couple of weeks, but it's going to be a little while before I can... Um, yeah, I've got to be careful for a little bit longer. I can understand that. What did you think of the public health yeah. system? What did you think of the public health system? Um, I got after pretty well. Um, you know... Uh, the system sort of uh, didn't do a too bad a job, and uh, we've certainly got a better his, uh, health system here than um, in the uh, in other countries. Um, so other countries are really struggling, but uh, uh, but hopefully we can keep uh, Medicare and keep the, the system the way it is, or or improve it. it would be good, uh, not go down some silly American path. Um, and uh, we're sort of finding out in a big hurry that the American system, the health systems. Uh, Got real big problems. Um, and well, you'd be you'd be hoping. bankrupt. No, well, you'd be bankrupt be bank- if you're in America. Oh yeah, I'd have you'd to be bankrupt I'd in America. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah, I'd right. be destitute. 
yeah, they probably solved the problem, but uh, I then, I, I then acquire a real big problem after that. Yeah, a bigger problem. Yeah, I think I think I think what this COVID nineteen crisis has highlighted to people the importance of a universal public health system, the importance of Medicare, the importance of a pharmaceutical benefit scheme. I mean, that's what uh, yep. to a large degree has kept the nation together, and that's all due to the efforts of people like you and unionists and activists over the years who fought tooth and nail to stop coalition governments uh, destroying Medicare and the public health system. So yeah. you need to remember yeah, that. Yeah, look at that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, without, uh, I mean, everything that we've ever got from the system and, uh, yeah, as far as, yeah, health and education and, you know, and workers' rights, obviously... But, uh, none of it's been handed down, handed to you. Uh, we've had to fight for every every last bit of it. So, uh, um, and people lose sight of that, unfortunately. Take it for well, granted. Well, they do. They, they think they think it's things like they are. What well, we've got a social security net. You know, uh, we've got a lot of things that a lot of other countries haven't, and that's because people have struggled for it, generation after generation. Yep. And uh, the last forty yep. years, as you as you realise has been an era where we've actually had to fight tooth and nail just to maintain what we've got, you know. It's just been extraordinary, yeah. period. Yeah, and, no, and I'm really pleased. Yep. Yep. No, yeah, I'm just no, saying, I'm really pleased with the public health system. Now, you go forward. Yeah. You go first. It's a bit hard not seeing you. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's all right, mate. No, I was just saying, just getting back to what you are saying earlier about the, the unions and all that sort of thing, I... Uh, this so-called goodwill that's been uh, existing between uh, the unions, ACTU and everything just in the last period with this COVID thing, I think is going to evaporate fairly quick because uh, good old Morris Gums, uh, uh, he certainly hasn't changed his intention as far as uh, uh, he's uh, going to be forcing through a lot of uh, anti-worker things and uh, the Ensuring Integrity Bill, which is a, a particularly nasty bill, I've, He's been uh, heard to say that uh, they're going to go ahead and uh, try and ram that through very soon. So uh, yeah. any goodwill that might have might have been uh, vested is uh, going to evaporate in a big hurry. Yeah, I agree. Look, I understand you've got a secret <laughs> vice. You said you said at sixteen that uh, you fell in love with a sound system or a microphone or something. What's what's all this about? The P- PAs. Well, uh, just to, yeah. Um, Basically, uh, back then, like I said, I was hanging around a couple of bands in the country, and uh, I, that was my first exposure. When I moved to Melbourne in '87, I uh, did a, a live sound course, a very a short course, I think ten weeks, at a, at a little school in Richmond, uh, sound school in Richmond. It's not there anymore, but um, um, but uh, that sort of got me into the. I guess that got me into the into the, into things, um, and. Uh, from there, I uh, a little bit later on, I started uh, managing a couple of bands that I knew, um, and, um, uh, and and at the same time, I was doing sound for them. So um, as that went along, I um, uh, then uh, sort of started picking up other work. You, you, you know, you'd, uh, you'd you'd mix someone, you'd mix your band at the gig, and then. The next band would come along, oh, we haven't got a mixer, so you'd mix them, and then they'd you know, say, oh, look, we'll give you a call if we need you again. And it's sort of one thing led to another, and uh, I I developed a bit of a, a fair sort of a clientele of, of bands, I guess, um, mainly, well, mainly in the punk scene. <laughs> and um, I went on to 
uh, mixed some fairly uh, well-known bands in that scene. Um, uh, there's one called One Inch Punch who changed their name later to Bid Youth Crisis. There might be a few people out there that know about them. Um, yep. A couple of other bands, H-Block 101. Uh, I did a couple of early uh, Living End shows. So I, I, I sort of, you know, uh, got into that scene um, a fair bit. And uh, in 95... Now, I guess this is sort of leading into the Black Star thing. In 95, I uh, became involved and was became aware of a of, a, of a, an anarchist group who were um, going to uh, who was who were doing fundraisers to uh, to open up a, a, an anarchist space, which was going to be a, a warehouse situation with a with a, a bookshop, a cafe, and a, a venue space. So That's right. yeah. that. That that was that that had started. I think the late eighties, early nineties, when they started doing their fundraisers and the whole group got together, and um, it didn't it didn't end up actually happening. It sort of uh, things petered out, and uh, the, the the whole thing sort of split up. Um, they did ra- manage to raise a fair bit of money, and when when it all sort of fell apart, basically, uh, I thought to myself, well. Black Star, there was a couple of sub-collectives. Black Star Collective was one of them. Um, and the Black Star Collective was going to be uh, in charge of the venue space. Um, so I thought, well, there's a few of us still you know, there. And, and we thought, well, what, rather than try and get a venue space, why don't we buy some gear and start a PA collective? Um, so it was about February uh, in 96 that uh, we bought the first uh, pieces of equipment of the Black Star PA Collective, and that was the year. The February '96 was when Black Star started as a as a uh, the Black Star PA Collective, um, and uh, and then some of the money uh, that was also raised went to uh, the Barric- uh, Barricade Collective. The Barricade Collective was formed at around about the same time, um, and of mm. course they went on to open up Barricade Books, which had a shop in. Um, uh, Sydney Road in uh, Brunswick for many years. Um, so uh, yeah, the money went to, to, to good places, and uh, we we started uh, uh, doing some shows. There was myself um, and uh, another guy called Paul Morris, who was probably uh, one of the main uh, people involved with Blackstar, as, as well as myself for for many many years for uh, uh, for a good twenty years. Um, uh, we were we were probably the two main people within the collective, um, and we started doing shows then. And uh, uh, some of the early shows, if people if there's people can cast their mind back, there was a, a warehouse, uh, a squatted warehouse two doors down from the tote on Wellington Street. I don't know if you remember that, Joe. Uh, the yeah, Brown warehouse, that. it was yeah. called. Yeah, yep, yeah. yep, yep, and. That, we did some of our very, very early gigs in there. Uh, we did quite a few shows in there, actually, uh, while that mm-hmm. space was running. And that space was uh, eventually evicted uh, by the good, uh, good friends in the police force. Um, I remember when we were evicted, we actually did a live cross uh, from 3CR, the Anarchist World, this week to, uh, to the warehouse because it was quite a, quite a violent oh, yeah. eviction. Quite a violent yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it wasn't. It wasn't too good. But um, 
but that was uh, we we did uh, we did those shows, and then uh, from there. Well, hang, on, hang on, hang on, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. When you yep. say shows, can you can you tell people what that entails? Because you know, and maybe mention a few bands yep, and a sure. few things. What is it? As a manager, what do you have to do? Well, at that stage, Joe, I wasn't a manager. I only managed a couple of bands, and I didn't do a very good job at managing. I was a far better sound engineer than I was a band manager, <laughs> put it that way. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, by this stage, I was just a part of the Black Star Collective. Um, and, uh, we, yeah, so I was just the sound guy. And basically involved with when we when we do shows, uh, basically we've got all this PA equipment. We have to lug it into the uh, into into the venue space early, set it all up, which is uh, you know not not the easiest task in the world, um, and get it all up and running. And then the, the, the basically the gig happens. There'd be four or five you know between sort of three and six or eight bands that play and uh, um, have a grand old time. And then we'd have to pack up at the end um, and lug it all out again. So. Um, it's, it, it was very physical work, uh, being a part of Black Star. It was uh, fairly hard work, um, and uh, but it was rewarding because if you did, you know, if you if you did a good show and uh, everything went well, and it was it was good, you know. Um, and I guess at this point, just to explain how we used to work, we were a, a collective, uh, non-profit, and basically. We used to we used to charge we used to have to charge uh, each each time we, the, the the equipment was used we had to charge for it um, because we had uh, insurance we had to insure the gear we also had to maintain the gear so the maintenance and insurance costs were quite you know quite hefty each year um, and we used to have to play a a fairly delicate balancing act in charging as little as possible so. The, the, because a lot of the shows that we used to do were benefit gigs for for causes, uh, whether it be a forest like benefit what? or anarchist benefit. Oh, look, we no. used to do um, uh, a lot of shows for for uh, for, for mobs like uh, Gecko uh, out no. of Noongar, East Gippsland. We did quite a few forest benefits. We used to do benefits for uh, various uh, political causes and anarchist causes around town. Um, we did some sh- shows for... Um, uh, Friends of the Earth, um, and uh, we did a few things for them, um, and various, you know, just whoever, whatever left-wing cause would uh, would need a PA system, we used to provide for. So we didn't, we weren't strictly sectarian sort of anarchists. We we did do things for, uh, com- you know, community groups. We did do for things for mm-hmm. even socialist groups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, in those days, and uh, our policy was that uh, you know, as long as the it was uh, for the benefit of the working class and benefit of, of left-wing politics. Then we were, then we were, you know, we were interested in, in being involved. Um, right. And we used to charge, like, uh, one thing about, I guess, one policy we had was that when you, if you ever put on a, a gig or you put on a, a fundraiser, um, it, 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 there's a lot of, you know, expenses involved, and quite often. Uh, PA systems and, and, and production was sort of something that uh, if you went to a professional uh, PA company uh, and, and got a PA company to come and do your sound, you, the costs were, you know, very high. And, uh, of course, being a company, they need to make money, they need to pay wages, they've got overheads and a factory and, you know, and storage or whatever. 
so they would charge accordingly. And uh, a lot of um, a lot of benefit shows used to suffer terribly because they couldn't afford quite often uh, adequate production, um, they, and they'd, so they'd skimp and save on production, and, and, and quite often that would sort of you know be at the detriment of, of, of the event quite often, um, mm. or they'd sort of mm. beg, borrow, and steal, or whatever uh, PA gear. What we did, and what one of our policies was, was that we basically would provide quality PA system to the to the quality of what you would uh, rent from a, a professional um, uh, company, but for a fraction of the price. So like we used to charge, you know, a hundred dollars for, you know, or you know, two hundred dollars for for a you know, for a big PA system and lights and crew and all that sort of thing. And if you went to the to a PA company and got the equivalent uh, system delivered, set up, all the bands mixed, pulled down and taken away again, you wouldn't get yeah. you wouldn't get changed from a thousand dollars. You know? Uh, how many gigs how many gigs do you think you were doing uh, a week? And for how many years did this go on for? Um we used to do I, I it's funny, Joe, I, I I pulled out a lot of my old diaries to sort of do a bit of research of the history of this whole thing and we used to do gigs quite often every weekend, um, and then and then we wouldn't do anything for a little while, and you know, think the, the, the ebbs and flows of, of the movement, you know. But we were busy. Mm. We were, you know, in, in a month we'd do probably uh, between two and four gigs a month, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it was, it, you know, it was, and, and and as well as that, because we were a collective and we were voluntary, we were juggling our own lives as well. Uh, there was myself. And Paul involved, and he he had a studio actually in, in Brunswick, uh, Sublime Studio. So he was running his studio and doing other part-time work and things. And I was working construction, so it was at times pretty damn hard work to to, to try and keep it all going. We did have people sort of members come through. You know, other people join the collective for periods of time. Uh, there was a, a lady, uh, Paige Renfrey. She she was involved in the early days, and she was involved for quite a few years. And was a really good contributor toward the um, uh, the collective, and we had various other people from the punk scene sort of drifting drift in and out of the of the, of the uh, collective, um, and um, so it was uh, you know it was it, it was it was hard it was hard work at times, but we did uh, probably notable some of the notable things that we did, Joe, uh, were uh, S11. Now I think. Yep. Everyone's old enough to, to remember S11, not uh, September yep. 11, 2001, but exactly 12 no. months, ironically, before that, uh, was yep. uh, S- S11 pro- protest down at Crown Casino. Um, and it was a three-day blockade of the uh, World Economic Forum at the time. And if, if you remember, Joe, back then, uh, the, 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 in the West, we were having a lot of anti you know, anti-globalisation uh, rallies all over the world. There was uh, ones in, in, you know, in America, Seattle and New York. And, That's right. Uh, That's quite, right. Quite famous ones back then. And then it was our turn in 2000, September 2000 of... Uh, of uh, yeah, well, that was... We, uh, yeah, that was extraordinary. That was an extraordinary... We actually, a small group of us actually managed to uh, invade the stock exchange. Uh, all the police were down at... Uh, Crown Casino, and we did yep. a diversion and went to the stock exchange, and uh, they couldn't believe it. And right. we actually got out just in time as they cars poured in from everywhere, helicopters and cars. And uh, 
Right. Audio visual weren't as good in those days. Yeah, I remember S11 really, really uh, ineffective. And I remember good old Bat and Charge Brax. Remember Bat and Charge Brax? And the oh, way he yeah. unleashed the police yeah. on the protesters. You know, caused a lot of damage, physical damage to a lot of people. That's right. Yes, Tuesday, yeah. the Tuesday morning and Tuesday afternoon when they when they brought the buses in and when they took when they ran the buses out. I yes, I remember that. I I I wasn't physically at the spot for the Tuesday morning, but I was I, I was nearby at the Tuesday afternoon, mate, and it was uh, it was bloody disgraceful. Um, you know, these big big coppers just come up over the barricades and just just hoed into women and that were just sitting down and 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 of course the media. You know, I can remember the the, the the uh, the headline the next day in the Herald Sun, our brave force. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> brave men was... beating, the, beating the crap out of 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 women and kids and and and, and, yeah. and completely unarmed yeah. people. And, uh, it was um, it was terrible. No, but, it was a black uh, day, a black we... day for Victoria Police. Black day, I remember that. Oh yeah, because yeah. Uh, you'd see you'd yeah. see the move. It was just it was incredible. You'd look at news footage, and they talk about the rioters. And the only people writing were the Victoria Police. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. So you to find out, yeah. If you wanted to find out who the violent people were, you, you, it wouldn't be hard. They all dressed the same. And, um, That's exactly yeah, right. But, yeah. So what did you but, do uh, at SC11? Uh, what, what, what did the Black Star Collective Black Star do at SC11? Well, we were basically... Uh, there was a stage that was set up uh, just by the river, um, uh, where that footbridge, where the old railway line used to run across there, uh, it's now a footbridge. At the end of there, just next to the river, facing the casino, was a stage. Uh, the, the, um, uh, there was a stage built there, a scaffold stage. Um, and we had our PA system on there. Uh, and we were there from Sunday night uh, through to Wednesday night. And we provided the, the, the uh, we provided the sound for uh, there was quite a few bands that played and uh, there were a lot of announcements and you know uh, workshops and th- sort of things that went on over the three days uh, and our job basically was to run the PA system and um, and uh, and coordinate that which was uh, um, yeah a big task and I think I got about four hours sleep in four days. Um, I remember mm-hmm. sleeping on the uh, on the stage each night, and uh, I did actually get to go home one night, I think. But uh, we slept right. on the stage, and uh, um, it was uh, yeah, it was a pretty mighty uh, experience actually, and uh, uh, it was um, yeah something that uh, something I won't forget in a hurry. Um, no. But it was it, it basically I think that weekend or that not weekend, but those few three days put the, the word globalisation very much in the forefront of people's minds in, in Australia. Um, yeah, and right. uh, it's it certainly, in a, in a, you know, for good or bad, it, it certainly uh, put, put it on the map. Yeah, and, and 20 um, years later, yeah, and 20 years later, we've seen we've seen how globalisation has failed uh, Australians during the COVID-19 crisis. Right. Now, look, I'd just like, like to remind people, you're listening to Radical Australia on Community Radio 3CR. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm uh, interviewing Mr. Uh, Ian Cook, Foundation member of the Black Star Collective. He's telling us about his uh, life story and mainly about his work in the Black Star Collective. Just like to remind people, this is a live interview. The program will be podcast in the next few days. And if you want to get access to the podcast, all you have to do is go to 3cr.org.au. This is our first live program since the uh, station shut down. 
in late March. I'm hoping to do some more uh, live interviews, but I'm looking forward to going back into the studio, hopefully sometime in June. So you're listening to 3CR 855 on your AM dial, Radical Australia. I'm chatting. We don't do interviews. Chatting to uh, Ian Cook. Now, Ian, where did your family originate from? Oh, they're all from the valley. The family are all, all, from, all from the valley, yep. All yep. from the valley. How about, how about before yep. the valley? What, generation after oh, generation? Generation after generation. But, uh, well, I think by, on my mum's side, uh, uh, if you go right back a few generations, yep. uh, I've got uh, German and Scottish um, mm-hmm. uh, ancestry on, on my mum's side. Uh, of the family, there was uh, someone come over from Scotland, um, and then on on uh, my mother's father, uh, yeah, grandfather's side, uh, his ancestry was from uh, from from Germany, basically from uh, a place called Breslau, which is now called Rockslov or um, uh, uh, Rocklau, I think it's, it, it's pronounced. Right. It's actually now a part of, now a part of uh, Poland. Uh, after the wow. after the first world war they 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 rejigged the, the borders um so uh but when when he was there it was still still a part of germany so he moved wow. to uh, he came over to uh, australia in uh, i think just at the end of this first world war i think or early right. early in the 20s so yeah mm. so uh that's i guess um and on my father's side i think it's uh, english ancestry i think uh going mm. right back so yeah right. uh, interesting so, so the Black Star Collective has, has now come to an end, has it? Yeah, mate. Yeah, it has. Um, sadly, um, um, basically, uh, it, it came to an end a few months ago. Um, uh-huh. And uh, I guess, to, to, would you like me to just explain that, or would you want me to go into a bit more history of what we did? Or yes, that's, that's what I'm really interested in—the history. And uh, obviously, all yep. organisations come to an end. Uh, there's a natural, whether yes, it's technological innovation has something to do with it. I'm interested in what you did and people's reaction to you, whether you were appreciated, whether they actually understood how important you were in the radical scene, especially in the Melbourne Melbourne yes. scene for over well, almost yeah, three look, dec- two and a half decades. Yeah, look, I think we were very much appreciated. I think we, we developed a pretty good name. Um, uh, we always strived to, 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 to do the best job we could. Um, and uh, I guess going back in, into the history side of things, before I do explain the demise, um, uh, <clears throat> sort of, you know, as I said, we did the S11 thing. Um, we also uh, did um, uh, quite mu- notably in the uh, 2000 and... Uh, when was that? I've got it written down here. Uh, we, did a May- we did a couple of May Day rallies in 2000 and... Uh, uh, one or 2000, 2001, uh, a couple of the big May Day rallies. Um, we also uh, also went to Woomera. Uh, in you went to Woomera? We went to Woomera. And, uh, what did you we do at Woomera? Twice. Well, yeah. the first time we went up there was late 2001, I think, uh, and with a, with, a, with a busload of people, and we had a protest outside the, the Woomera Detention Centre. Um, to uh, protest the, you know, the terrible uh, legacy of uh, the Howard government and, uh, you know, detention centres and all that business. And um, 
We went up there again in 2002, and people probably remember also the famous, infamous 2002 Woomera uh, protest, and about a good thousand people went up there, and then there was the big breakout, Um, and uh, we we took a PA system up there with a truck and uh, provided sound for, for, for the camp and all that sort of business, and, uh, and of course the, they had the big breakout, and the refugees were running everywhere, and the police surrounded us, and blah blah blah. So it was it was a rather interesting and a little bit nervous um, uh, experience to be in the middle of the desert with a PA system, surrounded by police, and um, uh, and all the rest. It made for yeah, yeah. an interesting moment. Yeah. So there was that, um, and uh, we also did a lot of. Uh, fundraisers for, for Gecko, and I can remember we um, uh, did a few uh, dance parties and techno uh, events because that scene was still very much uh, thriving at the time. Um, and we we had uh, we, we did quite a few of those, which were a lot of fun. Not particularly healthy fun, but, but they were a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And um, and we we also were involved in '98 with the doctor doctor spirit as well. We had the PA system oh, really? down the dock for a week. Yes, we did. What did you do down at the um, top? We had, to, of course, had the big stage set up down there, and we, we did a punk weekend. We had a few bands play down there at one weekend, so we dragged the PA down there and uh, provided sound for uh, those the bands and announcements and things. So we were there for a couple of a couple of days, um, which was a great experience to be involved in as well. Um, and uh, also 2003... Uh, we were also involved in the big anti-war rally, the one just pr- uh-huh. prior to the invasion of Iraq, um, uh-huh. and the one where we had a couple hundred thousand people in the streets of Melbourne. So we were we had a uh, a small PA system on a truck, and we had a couple of bands play to the masses on the on that particular uh, very momentous day. I don't think I had never seen so many people in one spot in my life. It was uh, mm. um, it was it was yeah huge and. Uh, uh, that was uh, something we were proud to be involved in. There was a couple of refugee rallies that we were involved with. Um, uh, Maribyrnong in 2002, there was a, we had a stage out there, Maribyrnong Detention Centre. We um, were involved in that particular uh, protest. We also did, uh, for Friends of the Earth, we did all the Friends of the Earth balls. Uh, people can remember uh, that. What uh, were they like? They were great. What they were they were like? Lots of fun. Really good. Um, very, very busy. A very busy night. It was. They used to have a theme every year, and have a country western theme one year, and a burlesque theme the next, and uh, very all different sorts of bands, not just punk bands. So it really did. Uh, it was a challenge, you know. Um, and it was it was a, a big night. It's Collingwood Town also. We did did require us to have a lot of equipment down there, and uh, um, I think we did about half a dozen Friends of the Earth balls over the time. Um, right. And and they were, yeah, they were they were good and um, um, and and they were good good people to sort of uh, be involved, you know, with and, and it was yeah, always a great night. Um, but uh, also, uh, I guess we did, we were involved in a uh, a few along along the way. There was a few uh, warehouse uh, spaces like uh, music or punk music sort of warehouse spaces. Uh, most notably, there was a place called the Pink Palace, which was uh, in Northcote. Oh, I remember, I remember uh, the Pink Eastman. Palace. LPP, yeah. I remember, the, I remember the, the Pink Palace. 
Yes, uh, good friends of mine were uh, involved in that, and that was it was fantastic. It, it ran from about 1998 to about 2005, um, yeah. and we used to do all the shows in there, and that was we used to have some great nights in there, some really good uh, punk gigs. We used to do also things called the, the Daggy Disco, which was always a very big night uh, each time, um, and um, yeah, it was it was the great times, um, and. Uh, Unfortunately, yeah, the Pink Palace finished up in 2005. Um, we also uh, did some work, uh, did some things at, at the Max Space in, uh, uh, in, in Northcote um, uh, back in about, 2000 and, uh, about 2007 to 2009. Um, mm-hmm. We did some sh- shows down there. Uh, we had a bit of gear stored there. Uh, they had to sort of stop doing shows you know, on a regular basis because there was, you know, some neighbourhood problems and just some yeah. issues there that, that, you know, it stopped stopped uh, stopped those regular events from happening. So what we what we did after that is we ended up... Uh, the, the gear was always housed at Brunswick, at, at, at uh, Paul's Warehouse in Brunswick. Um, and mm-hmm. we used to do a lot of uh, gigs there as well, which w- used to be um, good. Um, and uh, then, then some friends... Um, got a, a warehouse happening out at Coburg, uh, North Coburg, called the Black Goat, the Black Goat Warehouse. And mm-hmm. that started doing shows at around, I think, about 2009, 2010. And we decided to move the equipment into the Black Goat and store the gear and, and operate out of the Black Goat. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, good friends of mine were, were running that and... Uh, um, it, it was a good space, and we used to do, we had a PA system uh, permanently set up there, and we used to do dozens of uh, gigs there. Um, we did a lot of shows there over uh, between well 2009 to about 2015 when it finished up. And uh, when we moved into the um, uh, into the Black Goat, Paul had sort of become less involved in the collective, uh, and we didn't really have to. There was a a couple of people doing some things here and there, and I was doing basically it was it was almost a one man show there for a while, and I was getting very burnt out by that stage. Right, and I basically yeah. put it put it to the punk scene. Look, I can't continue. We're doing, I was doing a lot of shows at the back go plus other things, you know. And um, yeah. I sort of basically put it to the scene. Look, if, unless people give us a hand, unless people get involved, I can't do it all myself. And the good thing yeah. was that some young, young folk uh, did get involved. Um, and that sort of kept things going uh, for, for quite a while, and, we, and that made that took a lot of pressure off me and uh, made things a little bit easier. Um, and uh, we, we we kept going right through from two, you know at the Black Goat through to the end of the Black Goat in 2015, uh, and then the Black Goat finished up, and then the, the gear was stored at my place um, mm-hmm. uh, in, in Faulkner at the time, and um, Around about 2015, 2016, uh, we got busy again uh, politically <clears throat> because the um, basically the Reclaim Australia and the whole UPF and all those good friends of ours from the fascist movement all started uh, coming out of the woodwork and doing their rallies. And, of course, mm. we were involved in, in the counter-rallies. We used to provide the yeah. sound for the counter-rallies. Um, and... Uh, they were some interesting times, I can assure you. Um, there, there were some fairly hairy moments uh, uh, doing that, and uh, but we had a good crew of 
young people and were pretty committed to to uh, being, you know, virtually on the front line of, of a lot of those things. And um, um, that sort of, you know, we, we that that sort of went on for quite a few years, as we all know. And of course, the the whole that whole thing sort of petered out, really. And uh, thankfully, and it was great. It was great for the left to, to just maintain the pressure on on the fascist groups every time they popped their head out and every time they hit the, the streets. We were there to 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 to, to, uh, to counter rally them, um, and uh, yeah, it was a um, you know, of course, a lot of people from the left copped copped a lot of you know criticism about the tactics and all that, and we could argue that I guess, but uh, but yeah, we were involved in that, <laughs> um, and then I guess it was sort of um, you know uh, sort of after after that sort of all calmed down. We didn't. We were doing um, a few things here and there, but a lot of the membership sort of drifted off at that time, and uh, you know got involved in other things, and uh, the membership dropped a little bit uh, from the collective. And we, uh, and basically, I, uh, yeah, basically things sort of you know got fairly quiet. And then last year, of course, I, which I guess leads up to the demise of the whole thing. Last year, I, of course, got diagnosed and. My health sort of took a took a bit of a, <coughs> a downturn, and uh, so basically, I, you know, from then I, I was starting to think, can I keep doing this? And I, <coughs> I tried to, you know, keep things going, and uh, uh, and and so did the other members and all that sort of thing. And I got to the point, Joe, where the thing was is that I was always the main person in the collective, and. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, where we had we had other members and, and everyone you know uh, uh, pulled their weight uh, as well, but um, I was still in that position of being the main person, and I just couldn't I yes. just, I just couldn't continue to do it, Joe. It was just a, no, uh, well, that's understandable. Look, you've well, you've done two and a half yeah. decades of extraordinary work. Now I'm going to ask you a few questions, yep. and uh, yep. just remember, nobody nobody's listening, so you don't you know you can tell us the truth. Did you ever lose any? Pieces of equipment, any major pieces of equipment? Um, no, uh, not no. not to any great. We lost a couple of microphones along the way. We did have uh, a couple of things that were, were, were missing, you know. And uh, um, <laughs> but no, yeah. we didn't. Uh, we didn't have any uh, major major losses. We didn't have uh, anything. Uh, we came probably very close to having gear seized. Uh, by yes. uh, you know the police have been involved on the front line, but we've always sort of um, you know we always sort of got away with not having that happen, which was good. Um, and uh, so we were pretty lucky in that regard. And um, um, we managed to be able to build up you know a fair sort of stock of, of gear, uh, which uh-huh. uh, we're in the we'll be in the process of, of, of selling a bit of it. Uh, right. And uh, and all the rest, yeah. But uh, but you, I, yeah. I guess getting back, yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Apart from the chooks, do you got any other interests? Uh, politics and the chooks? Politics and the chooks, yeah. Uh, Anything look, else? Yeah, mate, I, I've had... Yeah, you got a family, you've got uh, kids, you got partners, all that type of no, thing? No, I've had partners in the, uh, along the time, but, uh, uh, but no, I never got married or kids that I know of. Um, yeah, and, right. um, uh, and all that, but... But I guess uh, I've always I've involved in union politics to a degree, um, and uh, I was also involved in a little bit of street medicine because I got I got a um, 
level three first aid certificate. I um, right. I was in, I've been involved in a couple of um, street medic uh, collectives over the years, um, and uh, that was sort of another sort of interest, on, on, you know, on the sort of front line as it were, um, mm-hmm. and um, all that sort of thing. But but we're just I guess getting back to the demise of Black Star. The, the good thing about it is that one good thing is that. Um, if it ever finished up, I always thought that it would be it would leave a hell of a vacuum in 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 in, in the scene. Basically, you know, a lot of protest groups that need PA systems, a lot of bands that need PA systems, would not have Black Star around to uh, provide the sound. And I thought that that would be a, a terrible thing to, to 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 you know if we did finish up to have that vacuum sort of there. Now, to a degree, that vacuum has been filled because when we when we sort of decided to, to, to finish up uh, was basically when a, a mob called Solidarity Sound System uh, basically has started. There's uh, a, a, another PA collective in Melbourne called Solidarity Sound System, and they have been, they have been involved in uh, in doing some uh, some some work uh, uh, providing systems for rallies and things like that. They did the sound for the last. Um, the last Invasion Day rally, um, right. and we did we did we we actually did two of the Invasion Day rallies. We did last year uh, and the year before, uh, provided right. uh, uh, PAs for the, the war the two war rallies, and they, they were fantastic. They, it was a real great honour to be to be asked to do that, and um, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really really pleasing to me that the Solidarity Sound System. Uh, there's a young bloke, uh, Joe, who's uh, very uh, enthusiastic and is really uh, keen to, you know, get things moving. And uh, we've actually donated a section of our PA system to the Solidarity Sound System. Um, Excellent. So the great thing is that is that the is that that vacuum's been filled, which is really really important. Um, uh, as we've sort of gone, the Solidarity Sound System have picked up that, and it's it's really good to see. And uh, I feel I, I, that made me feel a lot better about finishing things up. Mm. But, uh, look, I think you've done... Yeah. Look, we're coming, we're coming to the close of our time on air, but I, I think you've done an extraordinary amount of work, not as a show pony, but as a Clydesdale, uh, uh, as far as uh, radical activity is concerned. And you're, you're the type of person... There's a lot of work, uh, it's little appreciation in the long term, and I, it's been a pleasure uh, chatting to you about uh, all the things yep. you've done, and hopefully at some stage you'll put them in some type of order, as uh, you know, because we, we need to leave a record of what, what people have done. And you're relatively young yep. anyway. What are you, 55, 56? Yeah, you've got a lot of time ahead yeah. of you, and hopefully you get over this cancer and, uh, and uh, you, yeah. you, you, yeah. you, know, no. you do things. Yeah. And, and look, yeah, it wasn't really just up. me involved in, in, in Black Star, mate. There was a lot of uh, really uh, enthusiastic uh, younger people and people my age, etc. So it wasn't just me. And uh, uh, big thanks have to go out to all all of those out there if they're listening that, that that were involved in the collective over those times and provided much valuable help and you know support, which kept things yeah you know, really did keep, keep things going. And if it wasn't for them, <laughs> I, it, it, we wouldn't have. We wouldn't have uh, lasted as long as we have. Um, you know, yeah. Look, so, I understand, uh, Ian, but I think I think 
I think you were a central pillar to the organisation. I think if you hadn't been there all along, it would have collapsed long ago. And you need, we always need activists who yeah. can actually uh, uh, be there for the long yeah. haul. I don't, you don't, ne- you don't need to be modest on this program, okay? <laughs> no. You know, take take, uh, take a congratulations because you've got a a really good recollection of a. Uh, uh, of pivotal moments in this uh, country's history that uh, your group, the Black Star Collective, has been involved in, and you've made an extraordinary contribution to radical activity in this country. And hopefully, when you recover, you'll be back on the front line, especially if your medical work, and uh, you'll do much more. So it's been a pleasure yeah, talking I, I, to you. Yep, and, uh, and I think uh, I have been speaking to Joe at Solidarity Sound System, and uh, um, you never know. I might, be, I might jump in with them every now and then, and uh, um, and we're selling a lot of the gear, and I might end up buying some of the <laughs> some of the gear and put, put together my own little case. <laughs> right. Who knows? I don't know. But, yeah. Who knows but what's no, going to happen? You never know what's going. So keep isolated yeah. and uh, keep a keep a uh, keep a handle on your health because at the end of the day, that's all you've got. Uh, it is your health. Yeah, that's and, right. uh, and, and the yep. contribution you've made to society. And uh, I think you've made an extraordinary contribution, Mr Ian Cook. And I think that uh, it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been an honour to be able to uh, chat to you about the Black Star Collective. And I'd love to see something written at some stage. Uh, it's an excellent time for you to write something because you're in a recovery stage and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. there's nothing much to do, yeah, is there, I... except feed the chooks. Yeah, they, they keep me occupied, mate. They can get uh, they can get up to a lot of mischief at times. But uh, yeah, thanks yeah, very mate. much, Joe, and thanks. thanks right. for, and look, uh, I just like to remind there. people. Yeah, I like to remind people. This is Radical Australia. We've been chatting to Ian Cook, uh, one of the pivotal members of the Black Star Collective, which has had a profound impact on radical activity in this uh, country. The program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. It is coming from the studios so of. 855 on your AM dial 3CR. Obviously, we're all outside the studio at the minute, and it was a little bit difficult getting things together. And I'd like to thank all the staff at 3CR for uh, allowing this program to occur. And hopefully, it'll, well, not hopefully, it will be podcast in the next few days. And all you've got to do is go to 3cr.org.au. Thank you, Ian. Look after yourself. And, uh, and no uh, hopefully, Thanks I'll see you somewhere much. in the flesh. In the All the best. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.